This week on Tuesday Night Live in Jerusalem, Israeli medical personnel tell their stories from the earthquake in Haiti. Hear from the real-life Israeli heroes, live on stage this Tuesday at Haikal Shlomo in Jerusalem. Since my first day as a volunteer in Magen David Adom as a youth, I've been told that one who saves one life saved the whole world. Featuring musical guest Holler. That's Tuesday Night Live in Jerusalem, February 2nd. For more information, visit www.thelandofisrael.com. Shalom, shalom, everyone, and welcome aboard. It's good to have you here, and thanks to all of you folks for participating in our show every week. Uh, Prescott and I really do enjoy it. Prescott, by the way, how you doing, buddy? Good to see you. I'm doing fine, Ray. Lovely day here in Nova Scotia. Is it? Got a great day going here, too. Excellent. It's actually kind of looking like Al might be right a little bit of the time because we might actually have a little global warming going on today. And no, no, after no. the freezing temperatures we've had here in Dallas, boy, Al's looking pretty good in my book. Uh, and speaking speaking of Al, I do want to correct uh, a misstatement that I made in last week's show regarding his home. Uh, if you all remember, we were talking about Al, and uh, obviously, of course, he didn't invent the internet, even though he, he lays claim to that, but he didn't. Uh, and he is this huge advocate, like the number one guy on this whole global warming, climate change thing, whatever you want to call it. And I made the, the statement that uh, to, to heat his home or to cool his home in the summer, uh, he uses as much as the city he lives in does. Well, that wasn't entirely accurate. He lives in Nashville, my friends, and statistically, he uses 20 times the national average in energy, which is 13 times the average of Nashville. So, you know, we have to kind of put things in perspective and make it right. I don't want people, you know, sending us emails or, hey, you can't trust these guys and, you know, things that they say. So let me go ahead and stand corrected. I'll admit my mistake. And just for the record, he uses 20 times more than the average home nationally and 13 times more than the average home in Nashville. So I stand corrected. Nonetheless, Prescott, I think... The point has been made. <laughs> I Would think you so. agree? <laughs> I agree. I absolutely agree. <laughs> I mean, this whole thing with uh, uh, him and uh, all these activists. You know, after we uh, did the show last week, I was thinking about it, and we never, you know, mentioned some of the extreme things that go on as a result of uh, the environment and, and the claims that they make. I mean, I know for me as a conservative and for you know most people out there that are listening that are conservatives, they've all experienced this. They always accuse us of being nasty and mean and doing evil things and all of this. And it, it's never really the case. And I mean, it's actually been proven. And yet when you look at groups like ELF, uh, these are environmental terrorists. I mean, they blow things up. They hurt people. They do things to damage property. And it's just, you know, you want to talk about comparing uh, a progressive liberalism, or should I say aggressive liberalism. We look at things like this and compare it to Torah and go, hey, there's no place for this in Torah. Nowhere in Torah does it say that for you to make your point, you need to be blowing up other people's property 
or harming other individuals. And yet they do it all the time and yet accuse us of doing the same thing. And I just, I don't see it. Uh, do you get any of that up in Canada at all? Uh, not to the same degree, I don't think. And in fact, uh, when you were chatting there, I was actually just, uh, uh, doing a Google here on Elf because I'm not entirely familiar with the terminology. Um, so maybe you need to inform me a little bit more about this group. Uh, I don't know what the Elf stands for, oh, okay. uh, but I think the E in Elf is is environmental. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, but it's uh, might be environmental lunatics forever. I mean, I don't I don't know what it is. <laughs> But I, I do know that they are a very, very aggressive group. And when I mean aggressive, I mean to physical property. They do physical damage to okay. individuals. They harm individuals. It's not pretty. These would be the guys that would be uh, strapping themselves around trees to keep uh, the loggers from cutting them down. And, and Yeah, those are the more people. mellower ones. <laughs> well, yeah, they also... Uh, uh, there are groups uh, out in BC on the West Coast uh, who, of course, are very intent on uh, stopping the logging industry out there. And they drive spikes uh, into the trees so that when the loggers cut into them with the chainsaws, it'll wreck the chainsaws. And people have been hurt uh, quite severely from that, uh, you know, from that particular uh, strategy for, uh, for uh, keeping loggers from uh, cutting down the trees. Which actually brings an interesting story to my mind. And every time an interesting story comes into my mind, I can't resist bringing it up. Uh, Go for it. <laughs> um, uh, in Canada, we have uh, the national broadcasting system, uh, CBC, uh, commonly referred to by those of us on the right as the Communist Broadcast Corporation. Um, because they are so left of center in their message, uh, uh, constantly promoting leftist uh, ideas and, and uh, uh uh, one of the morning show uh, guys years ago, uh, Peter Zosky, had uh, uh, an ex-member of Greenpeace who uh, they were uh, having an argument over environmentalism. This guy had left Greenpeace because he found that many of the uh, many of the ideas that they were uh, advocating just didn't, in the end, make much sense to him. Uh, in spite of the fact that he once uh, believed in the uh, in the Greenpeace ideology and um, uh, he and Peter Zosky took a, a flight over um, an area of woods that had been clear cut. And Peter Zosky, uh, you know, who is, is a great interviewer on uh, radio, um, but very much a leftist, was looking down and lamenting at the, uh, you know, how awful it looked. And, uh, and this was one of the points that uh, the, the, the ex-Greenpeace guy was making was that so much of what drives people on the left is perception, it's aesthetics, it's, it's how things look. And he said, when you look at a firm, how did that firm get there if they didn't cut down trees? Yet we don't complain about farmland because it's nice and green and pretty. And when things look nice right. and green and pretty, we don't mind it. But when it looks ugly like a clear-cut forest, we complain about it as though somehow there is something environmentally problematic because it looks ugly. In spite of the fact... Well, and, it, and it's also uh, their perception is their own opinion. As it, they say, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Uh, sure. And, uh, but we, we know that, uh, we also know that clear cutting is a way of also, uh, limiting the impact of, uh, forest fires, which, uh, happen every year. 
and uh, and and the uh, and there's nothing that you can do about a forest fire. But I guess if you can control clear cutting, then we we have to do something about that. When clear cutting actually serves as a deterrent for uh, forest fires by uh, limiting the spread sometimes. But uh, you know, again, it's it's one of these things that uh, if those those who sit on the left and criticize something like uh, uh, like the logging industry um, have yet to explain a reasonable way of dealing with uh, you know how are we going to uh, build homes and how are we going to uh, replace what wood products brings into our economy and and uh, and how we make use of it. Uh, they never have any answers to these questions, only that we have to stop it. You know? <laughs> right. It kind of reminds me of the uh, the light bulb, too. They've got these environmental light bulbs. Oh, yes. And it turns out that they, quite frankly, are more dangerous than the uh, typical light bulbs that we're accustomed to because <laughs> there is so much mercury in these environmental light bulbs. Yeah, that you yep. would literally need a ha- if you were to drop one and break it, you'd need a hazmat suit to get it cleaned up, mm-hmm. which is utter insanity, and, and and it's just such a contradiction to what they are saying. And I think that's what troubles me the most is is the the multitude of contradictions and things that they they claim are true, and in reality, when you study it out, are absolutely false and basically flat out lies. Now that's not everything, but it's it's a lot of things. Uh, in fact, I'm reminded of a, a little funny one here. Do you know how many uh, liberals it takes to change a light bulb? <laughs> uh, no idea. It takes all of them. <laughs> one to unscrew the light bulb and the rest to protest putting another one in. <laughs> or, maybe they're, or maybe they're protesting what kind of bulb to put in. I don't know, but... Uh, anyway, uh, moving right along here, I, th- I think you know we've made our point on on uh, progressive liberalism and the environment and Torah because certainly uh, the Torah, uh, just you know, the study of Genesis tells us that man's job is indeed to take care of that which Hashem provided. Mm-hmm. And that is man time's responsibility. That means all the vegetation. It means, it means uh, uh, animal life. And sometimes that involves killing a tree. Sometimes that involves thinning out a herd. You know, sometimes what appears to be a very, very bad thing is actually a very, very good thing. And, and needs to be done in order to preserve and keep healthy and make more healthy the environment itself. And that's one of the things that we learn in Genesis. With the law that uh, Hashem gave to Noah, which was actually the seventh law, not to eat the limb of a living animal, uh, goes well beyond uh, the meaning of life is in the blood. Mm. I mean, that's a very deep you know, teaching in and of itself. But it also has to do with uh, being kind to animals. And who better uh, is an example than Noah? Yeah. Who spent 120 years building this huge vessel for what? For himself and his family? No. He did it to preserve life as, as we know it today. The, the animal life that is out there today. Uh, not just human life. And they took care of these uh, animals for a year. 
Yeah. So who better than our forefather Noah to use as an example to hold up high this whole environmental situation that we're talking about. But certainly the extremes that progressive liberalism takes us to is uncalled for, unwarranted, and quite frankly, unwanted. Yeah. But that's yeah, just it, my humble opinion. Yeah. If, uh, I mean, I, I, I have a problem with, uh, the kind of, um, I guess practices that, uh, perhaps some, uh, logging industries engage in when they cut down trees and they just sort of leave the land, uh, after the fact, um, I, because I personally, uh, I own a piece of property and one of the things that uh, we did after we cut, uh, cut the trees off was we planted new trees and, uh, precisely exactly yeah. the thing to do. Yeah. And so, uh, so it's not a question of, uh, you know, quote unquote, uh, rape the land and then, uh, and then run away without any responsibility to that land. Uh, we have, we do have a responsibility. And, uh, we need to take the responsibility seriously, but to, to take the kind of action that some of these activists do to try and quote unquote, protect the forest, if it means killing people, maiming people, destroying property, uh, that somehow their sense of morality has gotten so skewed that they think that this here is a, a, a reasonable justification for their actions. If, if, if it kills people, that's okay. As long as it saves one tree. And it's always this kind of extreme language that gets incorporated in everything that they do. It's all, if, 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 if we have to spend a billion dollars to save one whale, you know, there was one whale that, uh, there was a whale that got stranded in, in a, a section in the uh, Arctic where there was a place where they could, uh, uh, breathe and, uh, but they had gotten, uh, trapped from being able to get it out into the open ocean and they spent, uh, in, I, I believe it was in the millions of dollars sending up an icebreaker and support staff and all the rest of it to break away into this, uh, uh, ice opening so that, uh, this, uh, whale could, uh, make his way back out into the open ocean and, and, and survive. And it's like, why is there no limit to the cost we can spend on their, on their passion? But m the minute that we start talking about human life, it's expendable. Oh, exactly. In fact, when you were talking about that, it made me think of Terry Schiavo. Mm. Here we have a, a government spending millions to save a whale and a judge sentencing a woman <clears throat> to death because he believes that her life is of no value, which is right. certainly a communistic way of thinking. That is that is uh, Mao Zedong way of thinking. That is Hitler's way of thinking. That's Stalin's way of thinking. That's a communist speaking. And this is a judge. Yep. And yet we have these, these people who uh, spend enormous amounts of money in saving whales but will not do anything to save a human being. So yep. that's very disturbing as well. And when we talk about Torah, Torah pushes for life. Life Promotes. for all yep. humans and for all animals. Not necessarily equally. Man is the one that is above the animals. Animals are, uh, shall we say, uh, subservient mm -hmm. to, to man. Uh, man is supposed to be the dominating force, but that's also what gives the, the need and the commandment to take care of them. Right. The animals aren't supposed to take care of us. We're supposed to take care of them. They're supposed so. to eat us if they can at all possibly do so. 
<laughs> and, and some have. Uh, well, let's let's move on to another one that I find okay. wildly fascinating, and this was uh, also on the uh, a liberal's website, defining liberty and using it uh, in terms of affirmative action. And here we have them saying that liberty for them means having fair opportunities for those in society who are discriminated against. And you know what? It's, it's sad that we even have to have this discussion because here in America we did have uh, a completely reckless and irresponsible uh, time in our history where we did have slavery. Mm. And it was wrong, and I will stand against it till the day I die. I do not, however, stand against the Torah's idea of a bond servant. Mm. And if you study Torah and study what a bond servant truly is, you will see that a bond servant and slavery are two totally different concepts. They are worlds apart. And when I, you know, I think of affirmative action, uh, you know, sadly, oftentimes I think that the ones discriminated most uh, here in the United States at this point is the uh, American white male. You know, we're the ones that get discriminated against the most. We're the ones that get called names the most. Uh, I mean, p- people are just are very belligerent to us. And maybe, you know, we've earned that. I, I don't know. I don't think I've done anything to... Uh, warrant it but as far as and I don't know about you Prescott I think I, I'm speaking for you but you know you you'll correct me if I'm wrong but <laughs> I think for you and I a uh, fair opportunities in society is a given yeah Hashem created us with this fairness if man did not bringing his own ego into the situation where I am better than you. Oh, and by the way, I happen to be white. Or I am better than you. And oh, by the way, I happen to be black. You know, that's that's absurd. Hashem made us all equal. He made us all in his image. Yeah. So how can we not be equal? Mm-hmm. Well, one of the one of the principles that we find in Torah is this idea of, of that we are to judge without partiality, that neither the rich nor the poor, and we could extend that beyond just uh, an issue of, um, of of financial disparity between the rich and the poor, but uh, whether it's ethnicity and whether it's race or, or religion, that people, that the, the idea of equality in the law gets perverted so much, which it ties into, I guess, another aspect of our uh, seven laws about uh, having courts of justice, right, right, and and it gets so perverted because um, uh, because people don't judge without partiality. They they have a lens in which they look at some people as needing special protection versus those who don't need special protection, and they create laws that end up perverting justice. Right. the The same concept swings in the other direction. Then it's mm. almost like for some reason. Because of the 200 years of slavery, now white men today must suffer for that same 200 years, and then we'll call it even. Right, And you know what? That is just, to me, that is wrong because uh, it denies tshuva. It denies people the opportunity to do what's right and and move on in their lives. I mean, certainly I didn't own any slaves. I Mm -hmm. mean, why do people, you know, and again, progressive liberals toss around the word racist anytime you don't agree with them. So, you know, they I don't think they really know what they're talking about, but let me let me throw something by you. Okay. Uh, give tell me tell me what you think of this. And I'd love to get some listeners feedback on on this as well. In terms of this affirmative action, 
you know, we, we, we talk about fair opportunities in society for those discriminated against. And I'm going to take this on the world scale of the world society. Tell me why the Jews are so discriminated against by virtually every nation and every people on this planet. Now, if the liberals, if the progressive liberals truly believed in this affirmative action, they would be the first ones lining the borders of Israel and defending the Jews. But no, you never hear anything from the liberals when Mm -hmm. it comes to affirmative action for the Jewish people. And you want to know what? Sometimes that whole concept gets me seething some days. But, uh, you know, I see some of the things they are willing to go to, the extents, the extreme things that they're willing to do, and yet they will not lift a finger for the Jewish people and, in fact, condemn them. You're not, you're not suggesting that many who sit on the left and oppose uh, the state of Israel and defend the actions of the uh, Palestinians over and over again, that, that they're not anti-Semitic, are they? Uh, that would be exactly what I'm saying. Oh, okay. <laughs> I guess I followed you pretty good on that. <laughs> okay, and, good. <laughs> and, 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 I guess I made my point then. <laughs> you, you did, you did. And and it and it is amazing, it is amazing like when you have an organization like the, the United Nations who, while they established, um, you know, the, uh, I guess, forgive me if I use the wrong term, they established a, a, a charter for the establishment of the State of Israel. Uh, as an extension to what had previously been established by the League of Nations, that ever since then, there has been this onslaught uh, over and over again, the UN constantly attacking Israel in its uh, in, in the various statements that have been made over the years. And uh, I know a couple of years ago, I believe uh, uh, our Canadian uh, representatives didn't even attend because or had walked out of... Um, uh, of a meeting that was so anti-Semitic in its condemnation of Israel over and over again by these groups that clearly hated the state of Israel. And uh, so this, uh, you know, this is a problem. And uh, I guess the question is, what then drives their sense of morality? What What is the basis for why they look at this and believe that their position on this is a right position to hold, morally speaking? Right, and I don't think either one of us are are saying that the Jews should get more than anybody else, but certainly we're saying the Jews should get no less than everybody else. In in the way that the progressive liberals and liberals alike uh, deal with affirmative action does not cater to that at all. In fact, here in this country, if you disagree with uh, their opinions, you are basically begun to, to get discriminated against. Yeah. And, and it's, it's really a, a ridiculous thing. And we're closing in on the, the bottom part of the hour, and uh, we're going to have to jump out of here for, for a quick break. And uh, we certainly hope that you all will stick around with us because uh, we're going to go ahead and jump back into this uh, affirmative action thing uh, as soon as we get back from this break. Let's head on out of here, Prescott. Right on.
The Yishai Fleischer Show. We've been dispersed for 2,000 years and we're coming back to our homeland, to the land of Israel. Yishai, Ye, Ye, Yishai Fleischer Show. Sign up for Aliyah. Pack your bags. Proclaim to people, I'm a Jew outside the land of Israel, but I'm ready to go home now. There's a homeland. I'm heeding God's call. Yishai Fleischer Show. That's Yishai and Friends live every Monday and Thursday and archived weekly on IsraelNationalRadio.com. Be there. Just because you're getting older doesn't mean you have to stop being active. Frequent trips to the bathroom are a thing of the past with Priso Branda Puntamol, the miracle development from Israel's cactus flower. If you are a man suffering from prostate or urinary problems, or a woman suffering from incontinence or cystitis, Priso can help with its natural remedy made from their puncha flower. Don't just suffer, get Priso. It really helps. For more information, visit Priso.com. That's P-R-I-S-S-O.com. Shalom, everyone, and welcome back to the second half of the Noahide Nation show here on Israel National Radio. And as you recall, if you were here with us for the first half, uh, Prescott and I were talking about affirmative action. And overall, we're talking about progressive liberalism and the Torah, of course. But specifically, we're talking about affirmative action. And you know, one thing that I've wanted to, to mention before we move on, you know, it's another thing that has to do with the Palestinians and the, and the Jewish people. It's every time that they get into negotiations for peace, you know, the, the road map to peace, as they call it, invariably, the Palestinians offer up one person for example the soldier uh, they have they've captured one soldier and we're going to go ahead and give this one soldier back to you but in exchange we want 500 prisoners released from your prisons now i look at this and i oftentimes i see that the the jewish government do this yeah they'll release three four hundred prisoners in in the hopes of getting one jewish person now i really respect that number one because they really obviously are into the preservation of life which is is righteous and and it's just by the same token in the back of my mind i keep thinking Boy, they need better negotiators because they're getting stiffed. I'm here to tell you. <laughs> but, you know, for the world to turn around and say the Jewish people are not fair to the Palestinians is absolutely absurd. And it's even more so when a progressive liberal uh, uh, belches this stuff out. Now, now not to... Uh uh, not to go down some kind of cliche here, but certainly they must have some better accountants just to do the math here. Um, yeah, so, somewhere along the line, they need a new calculator yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, one for five hundred. But I guess uh, uh, I guess another uh, another way that they demonstrate um, their their view of life and and their idea of of what it is to be a Jew, even if it's not yet. Uh, seen as a religious uh, state has been the help that they've offered in the situation in Haiti. Oh, absolutely. And uh, you know, that they've uh, disproportionately have given much more aid than, uh, than any other country by, by what I've uh, uh, been able to read. And, uh, but of course they're not going to get any brownie points for doing this because not. Yeah. 
Because if it wasn't for uh, some of the people that uh, are always defending Israel, we would never even know that they were there working if it wasn't for these people uh, getting the word out to those of us who care about Israel. Because uh, we're well, that's because the, for them it's a it's a mitzvah. Yeah, it, it's a huge mitzvah. And like you say, even though it isn't a religious, a, a Torah-based society at this point from a government standpoint, yeah, that's a better. Uh, word. I think they still understand, you know, goodness and and, and understand that uh, in order to really have peace, uh, we have to do what's right. Yeah, and that that is zedekah is doing what's right. Interestingly enough, at least I don't know up to this point, and I, you know, I may be corrected once again, but I don't know that there's been any Muslim countries that have donated one penny to this effort. No, and do you know of any? Uh, not that I've heard, and I'm sure that if they had, the mainstream media would be making it known to the rest of us. Uh, but they're they're silent on Israel, and they're they're silent on on those that give that they don't like and they're silent on those that don't give that they do like. And, uh, yeah, well, if, if, uh, the Muslims had been donating anything, anything at all, you're right. The media, it'd be front page news and they'd be flying over, dropping leaflets, yep. letting us know how great, you know, the, the, the Muslims are. Yeah. And you know what? It's nothing against, uh, all, all Muslims and nothing against Islam. It's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is the disproportionate abuse that they give the Jewish people and the world, quite frankly, and and do nothing in terms of supporting or helping the world. All they care about is themselves and 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 their cause. And I, once again, I'm referring to the terrorists because the, clearly uh, they're they're out for themselves. They're not out for uh, anything that's religious based. They just do it in, in the name of uh, Allah, as it were. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's fine to have that kind of dedication, but you know what? Do it for peace. If you gave half the amount of dedication for peace that you do war, we might actually experience world peace. How about it? Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, and probably this isn't the show to uh, talk about, uh, I guess, uh, some of the questions that get raised about uh, the Noahide laws and what religions of the world may qualify as being close to uh, following the Noahide laws uh, versus those that... No, and you're, you're right. And in fact, when we do that, we ought to have a, a real expert yeah. come on and, and really uh, define some of these areas of great similarity yeah. that the Noahide laws have with other well-known, I might add, religions. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's very it's very interesting. Yeah, Inclu including including Muslims, and and this is the, and this is I think the, sometimes the the discouraging thing to to know that many of these people are very devout and religious and have a sense of you know wanting to do the right thing, but for some reason, uh, whether it's the politics or whether it's uh, uh, just the prejudice that uh, there seems to be a blind spot when it comes to the Jews, when it comes to Israel. I think uh, one of the roles that as Noahides we need to uh, to play is to, I guess, put out into the ether, as it were, um, you know, a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A, uh, a dialogue uh, that promotes uh, an education about uh, about the value that Noahism offers to bringing these estranged groups together under truth. 
and uh, and to and to to try and deal dispel the lies and dispel the prejudice and and to uh, and to bring about uh, uh, healing. I mean these these groups of people are connected uh, genetically. Oh yeah, and yeah. Uh, and not only genetically, but from a creation standpoint, again, we're all created in the eyes of Hashem. Right. Yeah. So, oh, and uh, by the way, uh, I'm going to ask for everyone's forgiveness out there because uh, the the whole thing with the progressive liberal joke and in, in the light bulb, <laughs> I, I I really apologize. I didn't I didn't realize I had said that out loud and that we were on the air. So <laughs> please please forgive me. Uh, <laughs> but move, moving right along here, the one uh, <laughs> good joke he tells and he apologizes for it. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I didn't say that the joke was, wasn't good. Um, I, uh, what I was saying is that I couldn't believe I said it out loud. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, let's, uh, let's maybe move into another an area to kind of draw a comparison to progressive liberalism in the Torah. Wonderful example. Uh, I mean, and it's not so wonderful that I have to state this, but I, I'm going to. Sexuality. Oh my gosh. To the progressive liberals, they define liberty with regard to sexuality as meaning the freedom to share mutual, intimate affection with a person of your choice, regardless of gender. This one seems fairly straightforward to me. We know that the Torah tells us that a a man shall not lie with a man. And the sages have determined that that also represents women as well. Because when we talk about uh, uh, the translation for Adam, Adam means man. And it Mm -hmm. was Adam that was created and a woman came from man. So, uh, you know, in in other words, homosexuality and lesbianism is a no-no based on the Torah. And that is part of the, not just the, the seven commandments, it's also part of the ten commandments. Well, I mean, it, it, it goes even it's further. It's a violation, think, isn't it? An, uh, actually, called an abomination. It actually is, as opposed and to a no-no. W- <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'm being rather gentle you, yeah, with this. Yeah, you are. Uh, yes, the word abomination is used, and I'll guarantee uh, with with the Torah and the minimal amount of words that are used to bring forth the Torah. I mean, it's very, very small by comparison to what it could have been. When they use when Hashem uses a word like abomination, yeah. my friends, you need to take it seriously. Yeah, yeah. He's not he is not messing around, and this is one of those areas where indeed it is an abomination. Mm. Well, this is great because because you're opening up a door for another another story, and I'm going to try and keep this one brief. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the um, uh, I remember listening to an interview. Oh my goodness! On on the uh, Communist Broadcasting Corporation's uh, radio network here in Canada, um, <laughs> they uh, they were interviewing uh, a professor. I don't know what the university was, but um, uh, Joan Roughgarden is the professor's name, and it used to be John. And this professor wrote a book on the. I actually think in the name of the title was something about the rainbow of something about the rainbow, which just bugged me, but, um, it was about the rainbow of diversity in sexual behavior amongst animals, amongst the animal kingdom, because one of the methods that is employed by, 
those on the left and those espousing gay rights issues and, and gay marriage issues, that they look to justification for these things by pulling up these kinds of models which in their mind are relevant, but to our mind is irrelevant because they are, they end up trying to compare animals to humans. They compare animal behavior to human behavior. And so in this book, it's about describing all of the different kinds of animals in which gay behavior appears, whether it's seahorses and dolphins and antelope. Right, right, right. I'm familiar with that. Yeah. And I remember watching, uh, on the, uh, I think it was on the discovery channel, um, uh, called, uh, uh, homosexuality in nature. And I've since tried to find this, uh, piece of TV, uh, ever since then and haven't been able to find it. But, uh, several times during the, uh, showing of the TV, the commentator kept saying, it should not surprise us then that we find this also amongst humans as they were showing, uh, these different creatures that were engaged in this, uh, these, um, uh, sexual behaviors mimicking the, you know, uh, homosexual behavior, uh, in the animal kingdom. Now, the reason why I, I bring this up and, and I ended up writing a letter into them, which of course never got read, but the thing that I wanted to point out to them was the, what I believe to be the error of this kind of argument. If you are going to say that it is acceptable for human beings to behave in this way, because we see it in the animal kingdom. Well, what other kinds of behavior do we see in the animal kingdom when it right. comes to sexuality? We find intergenerational, a kind word for incest, going on with certain uh, primates in Africa, certain chimpanzees where, um, where adult males will have sex with their female offspring and where the young males will act out with the mother in sexual ways. If we see this in primates, why then is this not acceptable amongst humans? Why is it that if an animal is uh, engaging or, or approaches a female who is unwilling to have sex, that the animal will force itself upon the partner who is unwilling. Mm -hmm. We call that rape. Right. And so many other examples, whether it's a widow, a black widow spider or whatever, the spiders that kill the mate after they, after they, uh, after they, uh, have sex that they then kill their mate. Well, I think if we did that as humans and we pointed to the animal kingdom as a justification for that behavior, no court <laughs> would buy it. Right. And you could go, um, uh, walruses who, uh, you know, uh, who, uh, force themselves on young walruses, this, this kind of behavior in, in the animal kingdom, we see it all the time and it can't be used as a justification for how we behave. It can't be used as the standard for morality for us as humans, because if we did, the, the whole society would fall apart. Yet somehow we take this one issue and we make this one issue an acceptable, an acceptable exception to the rule. And we use the examples of the animal kingdom to justify it and ignore all the other examples and all the other behaviors, which if we did, we'd all end up in jail. 
And yet somehow on this one issue, it's accepted in so many Western civilizations. Right. It's the, the, the same thing, too, if we're talking about uh, tigers. Tigers have been known to eat their young. Right, yeah. Well, if, if you, <laughs> you try to eat some of your young yeah. and you, you see what happens. <laughs> and it's, it's also one of the things that's, that's interesting about Torah. Torah is important for, for just a, a myriad of reasons. I mean, the, the numbers are endless. Uh, I should say the list is endless. But Torah is important because it elevates man through its instruction. Mm-hmm. And if you adhere to it, it elevates man and mankind, potentially, to a far higher state than the animals. In essence, it raises you from right. the level of being an animal. Right. For example, uh, the sages teach that murdering somebody, you, you go to the, to the resorting to murdering somebody, you are an animal. Yep. yep. You, you are an animal. And what we're seeing here is progressive liberalism using the animal kingdom to justify something that they want for mankind, when in reality, they, what they are trying to do is cause man to de-evolve. Right, is what right. they're trying to do, to reduce them to a level of, of being uh, an animal, quite frankly. Yep. Now, am I opposed to you know people who love each other, whether it be a, a, a woman loving a woman or a man loving a man? Absolutely not. That's, it has absolutely nothing to do with it. As a matter of fact, I mean, we're supposed to love everybody. But within the confines, uh, or I should say within the restrictions of what Torah allows mm-hmm. what uh, what our creator allows for his creation another interesting thing as you were talking about the whole uh, ape thing it suddenly occurred to me that hmm uh it could be that liberals may have a a, a a reason to contact us and cheer because many of them believe that they're descended from an ape <laughs> So, quite possibly, they're carrying on this way because they believe they've been descended from an ape. I, I you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know where to go with that. But um, it is interesting that they they believe in the Darwin theory uh, rather than a creation. Right. And Darwin is just, I mean, the thing's a theory. I mean, it's even called a theory. It hasn't been proven. And yet that's what's getting taught in the schools. That's mm-hmm. what liberals want us to learn as children. That's what they want us to learn as, uh, hey, look, Johnny's got two mommies. Uh, you know, all these kinds of things that, that liberalism itself promotes in terms of specifically sexual deviancy, mm-hmm. which is, again, an abomination uh, in Torah and an abomination in the eyes of, of Hashem. Yeah, and and that's and that really is the irony in my mind. Uh, that many of these people, if you were to ask them, do you believe in morality? And they would always say yes. Of course, what their version of morality is, is nothing more than some kind of construct that they've created about what they, for them, see as right and wrong. And this, of course, we then begin talking about things like relativism and and, and so on in our society, how uh, all things are relative and what's wrong for one person is not necessarily wrong for another and so on. But uh but there is this little problem that I have with uh, uh, with this idea that we have evolved in some way uh, from, uh, we'll say, from apes. And that is that if if it is true 
then, and, and I actually asked this of an atheist, a uh, friend of mine who, uh, who of course, uh, would never, uh, miss a chance to criticize religion in front of me. Um, I suggested to him that really, if you really do believe that you're descended from animals and that there is no higher authority, there is no God, then you don't believe in morality. And he was like, well, yeah, I believe in morality. And I said, well, no, you can't believe in morality. If you're an animal, then you just act like what animals act like. You can go and kill other people. And just when you get angry, you can take and lash out and you can do all kinds of things. And you would see that as being against your moral principles, but find me another animal that would think that way. And see, that's the key right there is show me another animal that think that thinks that way. Animals yeah. pretty much act and react based upon instinct. Yes. Yeah. It's, you know, not a lot of thought is, is put into it mm-hmm. other than, you know, you see some of these, uh, you know, uh, uh, National Geographic type shows where, uh, you know, they talk about the dolphins, they talk about the killer whales, they talk about uh, the, the lioness and, you know, their, their uh, you know, band, they hunt together. Mm-hmm. And so these kinds of things, it, you know, it looks like they're actually being thought out when in reality, uh, the majority of it is because of instinct. Yep. And and it does take training. I mean, obviously, they have to learn how to kill. They have to learn what to kill, mm-hmm. uh, you know, how to eat it, and, you know, those kinds of things. But it's still based upon instinct. And uh, that is what progressive liberals, uh, based on the idea uh, that they present here, want to reduce us to. Yeah. Uh, they want us to do it based on, on, on instinct rather than thought or somehow elevate the animal, which many have tried to do in elevating the ape uh, mm-hmm. to our level, that you know we we are, in essence we're supposed to be just like them. Yeah. And you know what? I got a problem with that. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I look bad enough as it is. It is. I don't think I would make it as an ape. <laughs> so, <laughs> but you know, it's and you know one of the questions that gets. Uh, thrown around uh, you know quite a bit is uh, how do people uh, you know get this way i mean you know for us you know we we wonder why we feel the way we feel when we hear some of these things presented by liberalism and that my friends is because we believe in hashem we believe in his torah and our spirit rebels against this kind of ideology i mean it really does and the thing that liberals do, and it was kind of mentioned uh, uh, briefly here earlier, is that liberals try to remove God. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for, for most people, uh, for example, if a conservative is, is a non-believer, he just doesn't go to church. But a liberal who's a non-believer doesn't want any mention of God or religion anywhere allowed. Yeah. So, and, and we see a great deal of success with that. And the problem is, is that when you remove Hashem from the equation, then you bring back the animal instinct. That is, quite frankly, in all of us. Yeah. The, the only way to avoid it and to elevate ourselves above that is by following Torah. Yeah. My gosh, I'm sitting here looking at the time, and we have bumped up against the hour again, and I see the boot coming. I mean, they're <laughs> going to they're gonna give us the boot, and we're going to get kicked right on out of here. So we're going to have to bring this to, 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 to a close, my friends. And Prescott and I, I think, 
we're going to come back and do this again next week because there's plenty more here that we can identify with uh, as far as progressive liberalism and the Torah. But in the meantime, my friends, always, always, always keep your eyes and always be looking towards the heavens for your help from Hashem because I will guarantee you that He is always looking out for you. Prescott, we'll see you next week. Shalom, Ray. When IDF soldiers are out in the field, they can really use a good pizza or some freshly baked goods. You can't beat our donuts. They're real donuts. Show them that you care. Send a tasty gift to an IDF soldier. Visit our website at herbiesbakeshop.com. That's Herbie with a Y. Just fill out the order online. They'll love you for it. Or you can make the Israel National Radio staff's day by sending them coffee or a pizza break. Just fill out the order online. Herbiesbakeshop.com. Herbiesbakeshop.com. Joshua had one at Jericho. Gideon had one. Now you can too. You can buy your very own authentic Israeli-made ceremonial ram's horn or shofar anywhere in the world by visiting www.thegreatshofar.com. For free shipping, enter the code INR on the website checkout page. That's INR for Israel National Radio. Get your very own shofar at www.thegreatshofar.com.